Hey, it's not been uh, the week or the beginning to September that we imagined, has it? You know, a lot of stuff has, has been happening, and particularly this last week. Um, I mean, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it, uh, actually? You know, we talk a lot about the Queen, and I think just, I'm sure we've all been following what's been happening on our news channels. Um, have people been watching the live uh, Lying in State stream? You know, isn't it? Um, it's crazy what technology allows us to do these days, isn't it? Uh, that we have a live stream of uh, watching the hundreds and thousands of people, who I'm sure lots of us have joined in with that, uh, joining uh, the queue to pay our respects and to, uh, and to, to make a tribute toward uh, this amazing queen. Um, and it, it's remarkable. And there's so much that we could do to reflect on that. And, um, and I think the biggest thing that, that struck me is, is, is how much hope the queen has given to people over so many years. And I think that, you know, as we see what's happening now and we literally see hundreds of thousands of people joining a queue which at times has reached up to 25 hours long or something and isn't it something like that as they've shut Southwark Park and people aren't even allowed to join the queue and they have to pause that I think wow what is it you know something amazing that's going on and I'm sure there's lots of answers that we could that lots of social commentators could give to why is it that so many hundreds and thousands of people I wanted to pay their respects in this way. Uh, I just wonder, actually, this is a woman who was full of hope and inspired so many for so long. Uh, and we want to be a part of marking that, don't we? It is remarkable. And um, uh, uh, the truth is that tomorrow's state funeral, we, we don't just get to say goodbye to a queen um, or, or, or a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. Um, you know, not just a, a horse lover or a lover of corgis, uh, or, or even one of the most remarkable stateswomen who's overseen, you know, the, the putting in of 15 prime ministers, 15 prime ministers. You know, it's not just that, but we mark the end of an era uh, and we mark the passing of one of the world's most famous and faithful Christian leaders. A woman whose public service and Christian witness has shone brightly for more than 70 years. That's amazing. And um, so much has been said, <laughs> and so much could be said, uh, about Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. But today um, and tomorrow, I want to invite us to remember her uh, first and foremost as a disciple of Jesus. Um, and I'd always planned to speak about discipleship in September. Uh, you know, the, it's September, it's the start of a new term. And, and as, our, as our pattern uh, is so often, we take a step back, we, we remind ourselves about the vision that God has given to us here uh, at St. Paul's Shadwell. And, uh, and we have a big vision here. We've got a big vision here. And our vision is to make disciples, to transform communities, and to plant churches. To make disciples, to transform communities, and to plant churches. You know, it's important that we all grasp a hold of that, and we know that. Turn around to someone next to you and tell them, our vision is to make disciples, transform communities, and plant churches. Come on, turn your, turn, turn your neighbour, 
It's important. We need to know this. It's good that we get to say this to one another. You know, what is our vision? Our vision is to make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches. You know, one of the things that I love about being a part of this church and the vision of this church goes way beyond when, when I had the, the, the privilege of being able to come and just be a part of this and join you. The thing I love about this vision is that people know it. You know, if you talk to people here in this church family, people know, well, our vision is to, is to make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches. And, and the reason that we know it is because it's not something we just get to talk about, but it is something that we get to see. That is What's happening here in this community, in this family of God, in this part of the church here in East London? We make disciples, transform communities and plant churches. Uh, and I was talking to someone the other day and, um, uh, and they, said to, they said to me, look, they said to me, Phil, um, planting churches, I get that. I, get, I understand that. You know, it's on the board. <laughs> you know, it's on the board. There's, there's like 10 10 things, 10 plants and partnerships and things that have come out of this church over the last decade. You know, I get the fact that we've seen leaders being raised out and launched into new and exciting things that God is doing. I see that. There's there's like tangibility to that. You know, transforming communities. I I see that. I see some of the the projects that we're doing together in partnership with others, like, like growth, you know, like the night shelter. You know, like the investment that we make in young people and young families, you know, like the new community spaces that we, that we are building, that we're investing in, you know, like the gym that we built you know, a couple of years ago, and now we're running free wellness classes for our community so that they might experience a holistic sense of wellness. You know, we're interested in transforming spiritual emotional, mental, physical health, because actually we believe in a God that restores all things. Actually, there's a tangibility to some of this stuff. And this person said to me, but making disciples, you know, Phil, how is it that we actually do that? And so immediately and a little bit defensively, <laughs> I, said, I, kind of, I said, well, you know, and I started listing off some of the programs, some of the things that we do. And I talked about Alpha, you know, and I started talking about people coming to faith. Um, but it really got, it got me thinking and it got me thinking about how we talk about this stuff and what, what we actually mean. And, um, and I, I kept on thinking on it and, and praying on it and I just kept coming back um, over the last couple of weeks to this sense that for all of our initiatives, for all of the things that we do together, the best way to make disciples perhaps the only way to make disciples is to be disciples. Making disciples isn't a program that we sign up to or that we join in with. Making disciples is simply a natural product of being disciples. You know, as we hang out with Jesus, as we, as, we, as we act like him and allow him to act in us, people get to see him in us. And that is really it. 
You know, the rest is up to God's Holy Spirit. You know, our God who is mighty to save. You know, the rest of all that is, that is his business. You know, we just get to, to tag along with Jesus as he makes disciples. You know, for all the formulas that we may try uh, and, and wrap around it. And there are some good ones. You know, Alpha is a great one. Alpha is a great one. We love doing Alpha here at St. Paul Shadwell. And if you've not done it, please come and do it. If you, if you have done it, please come and do it again. Bring a friend. You know, it is an amazing opportunity to begin a conversation and to build relationships around questions of, uh, of faith. You know, but, but primarily, we make disciples by allowing other people to see us be disciples. Yeah, and actually, I think the most helpful way to talk about discipleship in Christ is always to talk about a disciple of Christ, isn't it? You know, it's to move discipleship away from being an abstract set of, uh, of principles and, and practices because discipleship only really makes sense to us. It only really inspires hope in us when we see it in and through the life of someone. We see it at work in a, in a disciple. You know, and I think that is why the, the Apostle Paul in Scripture so often says, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah, when Paul was writing to the church in, uh, in Philippi, he, he said this, and this is Philippians 3 verse 17. Paul said to them, he said, follow my example." He says, you have a model in us. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And and, and so as we think today about our vision to to make disciples and, and to inspire hope in others, how wonderful is it that we can be uh, inspired by a contemporary model, by a disciple named Elizabeth. A woman who, by the grace of God, really has been a beacon of hope in this nation and, and way beyond for more uh, than 70 years. Uh, On Christmas Day in 1952, a 26-year-old Elizabeth, now Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom uh, and of 14 other Commonwealth nations, spoke for the first time uh, in what was to become uh, her hope-filled annual Christmas broadcast. Pray for me she asked, that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises that I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. 
And this was a prayer that God answered. Six months later, at her coronation, this new queen made a series of uh, solemn promises, which she kept faithfully. Uh, And she promised three things. She promised to govern appropriately, to maintain justice, and to profess the gospel of Christ. And she did it. She did it until her final breath, just 12 days ago, on the 6th of September, 2022. And there are so many stories that we could tell and uh, and speeches that I could quote from. But the one I picked for today was from her hope-filled Christmas broadcast uh, in the year 2000. When, um, when she reflected on the millennium uh, year with a remarkable transparency uh, about the importance of her own personal faith in Jesus. She said this, For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework which I will try to lead my life in. And you know, almost 22 years after that speech, we witness leaders of all sorts failing and falling at unprecedented rates, it seems. And notions of um, promise-keeping and duty, ideas of personal accountability before God, seem to be, seem to be antiquated, you know, or even naive. But in such a time as this, Queen Elizabeth's lifelong consistency in private faith and integrity in public service is both startling and inspiring. Quite simply, when I look at this woman of God, it makes me want to be better. Yeah, more than that, it makes me want to grow in my faith in the God that she served, to believe and to hope more, because through her example, I am pointed to Jesus. And so here's what I want to say today. Quite simply, as I, as I reflect on what's going on around us Uh, And as I think on the life of her late majesty, it's this. Hope-filled people fill people with hope. 
You know, the hope that is in you will impact those around you. Yeah, that is what we have seen in the life and in the death of Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Hope-filled people fill people with hope. You know, a little while back, we did a series here called Harbour of Hope. Uh, we spoke of this church community as a harbour of, of hope. And one of my favourite stories that informed that series was when uh, a couple came here and, uh, and, and I got talking to them after uh, one of our services and, and they'd been going through a really tough time. Uh, a whole load of stuff was happening for them. And they said to me, um, we just feel like we got washed up on the shores of St. Paul's Shadwell. And I love that. And, and, and over time, this couple met Jesus here and they found a renewed sense of peace and of hope. And not because there is any magic on these shores or in this building, but because the hope of Jesus was in all of you. And when they met you, they met Jesus. Yeah, this is a harbour of hope because it is where people of hope gather. And therefore, it's where people who need hope can find it. Because hope-filled people fill people with hope. So let me, let me circle back to, to our question. How, how do we make disciples? Will you be a disciple? You know, it's only Christ, the hope of glory that is in you, that will make the difference. You know, quite simply, this is how you make disciples. And this is why you, just like Queen Elizabeth, need to consistently and faithfully look to the teachings of Christ and to your own personal accountability before God to provide a framework for your life, for your discipleship. I want to finish uh, by, uh, by quickly, uh, really practically, just flagging up four uh, kind of big themes, if you like, four aspects of, of SPS church life here. You know, what life looks like here in this harbour uh, of hope as we gather together and each of us take uh, the responsibility and accountability before God to be and to grow as disciples. Uh, and, and actually the way that we outwork uh, these things shifts and, and changes over time. Um, you know, who knows, it's never static in this place. Yeah, okay. It's never static in this place. So I hope that this will be uh, a good orientation for all of us uh, or a reorientation as we head together into this new term. Uh, so four quick big themes of life here. And the first one is, is pattern of prayer. Pattern of prayer. What is your 
pattern of prayer. You know, I was speaking to our new ordinands, those who are training to be ordained in the Church of England. I was speaking to them about this uh, this week. Uh, and actually on, on team here, we have a, a pan of prayer that looks something like um, Sundays, Tuesdays and Thursdays together. On Sunday, we gather with, with, with lots of folk here to pray. Actually at 9.30, uh, we all pray as a, as a team. Uh, all those who are involved in the service and volunteering on the, on the worship team and uh, with the kids team and the youth team and people on the doors, uh, all of we get together, we pray. And that is such an important part of what we do, not just on Sundays, but in our week. We pray together. You know, as a team, as a, as a staff team here, we, we then gather on a Tuesday morning and we pray together. Uh, and now on Thursdays, every other Thursday, Philippa leads a time of prayer in here. And on the other Thursday, we're beginning a, a series of prayer walks around Tower Hamlets, around our East London. And, uh, and we're inviting other churches to come and join us. I'm really excited about this. We start this week uh, on the 22nd, Thursday morning. Everyone's welcome uh, to come and join. Uh, and we're going to be we're going to be praying actually over in the sort of to the east or sort of Poplar Way. Uh, you can go to towerhamlets.church and you can find out details about prayer walks that we're going to be doing every other week. Everyone is welcome. You know, we've got a little rhythm. And then, and then outside of that, that pattern of prayer, uh, we, we encourage one another uh, to make sure we're being serious about our personal devotions, our times where we're one-on-one with Jesus, being intimate with him and learning to, to therefore imitate him as we draw close. You know, we need to have a pattern of prayer. In addition to that, as a church, we do, um, uh, we kind of do termly big prayer initiatives. There might be a week of prayer, you know, times when we, we do a big prayer room and we get creative about the way that we pray. You know, whether that's uh, around the big Thy Kingdom Come initiatives that we join in with, with the rest of the world. You know, whether that's around Advent or, you know, we, have, we love to do this at the beginning of a year in January as well, don't we? But we join in together. It's part of our pattern. You know, we also have big prayer meetings. Uh, and actually, just recently, we've begun to do a different thing called the upper room uh, because it's in the studio, which is upstairs uh, over in SPS house. You know, this is part of our pattern of prayer. My challenge to you is what's your pattern of prayer? You know, what are the things that you're going to do and take personal accountability before God for? Uh, and what are the things that you join in with, with the rest of us as a community? Number one, pattern of prayer. Number two, we have a rhythm of worship. We have a rhythm of worship. You know, one of the things that I love to say is that it's not all about Sundays, but Sundays is when we're all together. You know, 10 a.m. here on a Sunday morning, this is our principal gathering. I love this. I love it that we get together. I think I've never loved it as much as when we've emerged from COVID because we couldn't do it. And suddenly I realized how much I missed it. And how much I love it, the fact that we can come together. And this is a place that is full of life and joy, uh, diversity. We come with all of our difference to stand together before God, to worship together. We do that 10 a.m. every Sunday. You know, what's your rhythm in that? You know, some of us love to go to church twice on a Sundays. Some of us maybe once every three weeks. You know, I'm not, not going to have a go at anyone here. But you know, another thing I love to say is the thing is, if you don't turn up, you're not here. And if you're not here, then we miss seeing Jesus in you when we worship together. You know, we don't go 
to church on a Sunday. We don't worship together because it's something that just we need between us. We do it because actually we're doing it with and for one another. Because we see Jesus in one another. That's why it's important that we are committed to meeting together. Scripture's so clear about that. Do not give up meeting together, Paul says. You know, what is your rhythm of worship? You know, as you'll have heard if you got the email, so maybe 40% of you. <laughs> you know, you know, we're, we're, now, we're, we're going to be meeting on at six o'clock now again because actually it's been great. You know, we've just started experimenting, doing a different thing. You know, this is a lively place on a Sunday morning and, and on 6 p.m. on a Sunday evening, we've been having a, a, a gentle kind of reflective opportunity to take communion together, to worship and to pray together. Uh, and it's been so great and we're going to do it every week again. So, you know, come and join us tonight at 6 p.m. You know, maybe that needs to be part of your rhythm of worship too. We've got a pattern of prayer. We've got a rhythm of worship. We've got a program of activity. We've got a program of activity. And hey, this changes and shifts with the seasons, doesn't it? But, um, you know, I've been so excited over uh, the last few months to see Paul's pub kind of organically arise. Uh, Matt is away on holiday, Matt, our worship pastor, but he's done an incredible job just pulling those together who want to join in and be a part of something fun and social together. Paul's Pub, uh, think darts, think, uh, think jazz, uh, think live comedy. You know, this is the stuff that people have been gathering to do here on a Tuesday. And it's a really fun thing to invite our community into. You know, and, and we're going to continue that Tuesdays. If you want, if you want to come, it's a place to hang out, to meet friends, to invite the community. Paul's Pub on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, uh, Alpha begins we're nearly there. Wednesdays in October and, Thursday, uh, and November. You know, it's an opportunity to invite people into a conversation. Thursdays, we're going to be doing deeper. You know, Philip just said it's an opportunity to go deeper. It is what it says on the tin, you know, to open the Bible together. You know, Fridays, Friday evenings, we do Roots, our, our youth club here. Which is, and it's amazing to see the way our youth group has grown uh, over the last couple of years. You know, Michael Hepworth's doing an incredible job, our youth pastor here. And we've got this amazing group who are inviting their friends and they come and they hang out here. You know, we've got our program of activities for families, for young families locally here in the community, for people who've just had babies. You know, we have our programs that help us share compassionately with those around us in our community, like, like growth. And we do our big community events, light parties, bonfire parties, stuff around Christmas. These are all amazing programs to invite people into the life of this church. There's a whole load of stuff that goes on here in this harbour of hope. We've got a pattern of prayer, a rhythm of worship, a program of activities, and we've got a foundation of community. And here we call that docks. That's our vision for seeing everyone being able to get to know people a bit better, to really find community and to do life with one another. You know, we're a big group often here on a Sunday uh, and docks are a place where we break down into smaller, uh, often geographically based sort of mid-sized communities uh, to have lunch together, to, uh, uh, to, to care, share and dare together. You know, we care for one another in our docks. We share our lives with one another in our 
docks and we dare one another to go deeper in our discipleship with Jesus. And of course, in these docks, there's the opportunity to get into even smaller groups, to do Bible study together, to prayer walk together, to to hold one another accountable together, to really get to know one another and to do life together. And I want to encourage everyone, if you're not in a dock, think about getting in a dock. You know, there's a whole load of stuff that's going on here. And actually, all of us can't do all the things. That's not what we're saying. That's not what this is about. But my prayer is that there are some things and primarily other people that we get to do them with and alongside that will fan the flames of hope in Jesus in your life and grow your faith in Jesus so that there are others around you in your community, in your workplace, in your schools, that may also become hope-filled disciples of Jesus. Because people of hope, I'm going to get it right, because hope-filled people fill people with hope. Yeah? Shall we stand? I'm going to invite the band to come back.